This week on Living the Call, Deacon Charlie sits down with Jonathan Blevins, a husband, father, and entrepreneur, as well as the founder and CEO of Little Flower Media. Little Flower Media brings gaming, events, shows, and new media to the front lines of living through a Catholic mindset. Jonathan began streaming four years ago and is also the founder of the Stream Team. He recently founded the Bearded Blevins Stream Team to take the Twitch channel full-time with the mission to build a positive community on Twitch. In this episode, Deacon and Jonathan discuss his mission to bring not only a deeper sense of community to Twitch, but also a Catholic mindset to the whole competitive online gaming and streaming platform. There's definitely a way to be Catholic in the gaming space. You can be Catholic in game. There are definitely games that are that you just shouldn't play. You know, there's just the, there's no way to redeem <laughs> some of the, some of the games out there. But there's games with great stories, like similar to reading a book, where there's absolutely Catholic themes that can be pulled out from that. And then there's ways that you can just, you know, be a positive human being when you're talking to the, your teammates, right? Just being Catholic and, you know, so you're not going to rage at them. You know, you're not going to be swearing at them all the time, that kind of thing. This is Living the Call. Jonathan Blevins. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What a great treat it is also. Big ups to Catholic Answers for hosting us in their uh, in their studio here in San Diego. Nice, right? Yeah, it's very nice. It's It's homey. I love it. Yeah, it's nice when it I works might just out this stay way. here. I've thought about it, but they won't have me. So oh, they, they might not uh, have so me either. Then it, it turns out. But I'm glad you're also making some connections with, uh, or additional connections with. It's a really awesome apostolate and done a yeah. lot of good, as you have done a lot of good too. Oh, whatever. thank you. So you're here for TwitchCon. Yes. For those folks who don't know what that is, what is it? Okay. Well, a long time ago, a thing called Justin TV happened, where a kid just turned on oh. a camera and was streaming himself playing video games. That morphed into what's called Twitch, which is basically YouTube, but for for live streaming. Mm -hmm. uh, and it started off as a, a way to stream video games and people could watch. And then it morphed into just any type of live content at all. So you can stream knitting, you can stream cooking, yeah, cooking lifestyle uh, stuff, all kinds of stuff. Uh, when did that start to change, though? For I mean, because it was pretty hardcore gaming for a while. Probably about five years ago. Yeah. And it's still probably like 60 to 70%, if not more gaming stuff, but not yet. Yeah, pod, sports podcast. Everyone's on Twitch now. Like uh, every podcast is is on there. Every radio station mm -hmm. has a live stream as well on Twitch, even if they're not utilizing it well. And then every year they hold a convention. And so uh, we're here for uh, the TwitchCon 2022 nice. San Diego. Much better location than San Jose. No offense to any San Jose fans. Uh, but yeah, it's been great. How many, how many folks show up to that conference? I don't, I don't even, I don't even know if I could give a guess. Thousands, tens thousands, of thousands? Thousands for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands for sure. It's and, massive. And for you as, and we'll get to a lot of this stuff that's in your story, obviously for those folks who don't know it, but for you, what's the value of that conference uh, of for, attending in person? For me, it's mostly, so we're two, two things. We've got a community of what's, what's called moderators, mm -hmm. uh, where it's somebody who's in our, in most of our streams and they are reading all the chats and they know what we're about. They know us, they know what the community is about. They know what's allowed and what's not allowed in chat. So they'll delete messages, time people out, ban people if necessary. And it's a lot of work. If you can imagine, if you, sure. you know, especially if you get a big host and all of a sudden you got thousands and thousands of viewers and the chat's just flying and you can't keep up with stuff and you want, you don't want kids seeing, you know, inappropriate comments. Uh, so we invited our mods mm -hmm. to TwitchCon and got an Airbnb for them Oh, nice! Uh, so that we could all just hang out and like as a way of thanking them. So that's number one. Uh, and then number two, just the networking with mm -hmm. other streamers. Uh, they're so, I think when I started streaming on Twitch four and a half years ago, I thought, I'm going to be the first light in this dark world of trolly <laughs> internet culture. Um, and I was, I, I was so wrong. There's so many good people 
who are streaming, who have great communities, who want to bring joy to people's lives and meeting those people and networking with them and then going back and doing content with them has been uh, awesome. I was going to ask you about that. Like if there's just sort of like a, you know, values aligned cohort or something that you've come, you've come to know or network with. And I don't know, like, I wanted to ask you about sort of terminologies, right? Because even just in the hallway a moment ago, I sort of introduced you in a way and maybe that's not how you would introduce yourself relative to the context of Catholicism, right? Because you are a, you're a maker, you're a creator, you run a media company now, you got a lot of things going on, but at least as it relates to Twitch, like how would you define what you do and are there others like you? Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I, when, I, when I introduce myself, I just say, I'm Jonathan Blevins and the CEO of Little Flower Media, uh, which is an internet company that, or a media company that's using media uh, and, and social media in particular, especially live streaming as a way to grow a community to be a light in the darkness on the internet. Mm. Um, and so I, a lot of my job right now is the content creation piece of being live and using social media. Um, hopefully though, in a couple of years that will, that part will go away and we can grow bigger and have more creators with Little Flower Media um, doing this. I'm the only full-time Catholic Twitch streamer that I know of. Um, at least that talks about it. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's more, you know, uh, for sure. But, but there's a lot of part-time Catholic uh, streamers and then uh, we need a lot more. You when, know? when you first got on that platform though, and I, I do want to learn a little bit about that kind of Genesis story of how sure. you even got to it. But when you first got on, were you surprised, alarmed, pleasantly, whatever, relieved about the way that that community received you? What was the... Yeah, so this is... The first, okay, the very one time I turned on my stream and I, I was playing Madden. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, a game I love, the, the Madden football games uh, for the last like 20 years I've been playing them. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm just going to see what happens. And I, I, I turned the stream on, nobody showed up. And uh, I would, and then when two people did show up, I didn't even look at the chat since nobody was in there before. So I was like, why would I look now? And then the people who showed up were mad that I didn't even respond to them. So I was horrible. It was a bad, it was a horrible first stream. That, and then years later, like two or three years after that, uh, when I felt like God was saying, Hey, you should stream. Mm. Uh, and I did my very first Fortnite stream from my kitchen table. I mean, it was a, it was a horrible setup. I wish, I hope I have pictures of it. I should look, uh, it, it, just to see where I was. We had like 180 people show up first, first day. Mm. And I was able to be decent at the game while also reading all the chats. It was crazy. So wow. like just proof that when, when, you know, you're not ready until God says that you're ready. Uh, but the community, I, I was shocked at, at the way that I was, that the whole thing was received. Uh, receiving you positively. Then. Yeah. And, and as you're, and as you're playing Fortnite and you're actually commenting on these chats though, uh, in that initial stream, is it clear to people who were there? It's like, Hey, this is going to be from a different perspective than maybe some of the other channels at the time. It at the time it was, the questions were like, Oh my gosh. Okay. You're, are you, you're Ninja's brother, which he's like the biggest streamer on he Twitch is. for those who don't know. Yeah. Um, and so my answer would be like, yes, but I'm Jonathan. Like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm my own person. Uh, and they're like, well, you don't, you know, you don't swear as much as he does or rage as much as he does. You're not as good at the game as he is. Uh, and it's like, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I enjoy the game, but I'm here, I'm doing something different. I'm mm. trying to build, you know, a community. He has a, his own community as well, sure. but that's going to be the focal point of what we're trying to do. Uh, cause I'm Catholic, you know? And then, I mean, that's the floodgates open, you know, you're Catholic. Why would you mention that? You know, mm. what does that mean? Yeah. You guys worship Mary. Uh, you know, like what's the whole Pope thing? I don't get it. You're going to hell. It's kind of like, like all a, kinds of stuff. Wow. Um, but, but then I was able to respond and I'm not kidding. I'd say 95% of the messages when I would respond to any of those comments yeah. were received well. Like I'd never heard that before. Yeah. You know? but it's got to come across like a, in a way as like a thud in that environment, right? It's like, it's one of those moments. I remember there's, um, one of the philosophers that I really like is a guy named Peter Kraft. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with Yeah, I love Kraft. him. 
And he's got a book called Jesus Shock. If you ever read it, it's like one of my, it's in my top three ever. Okay. Right. And the Bible's on the top three. So like, this is like, way up. Yeah. but, um, he, he talks about like, try throwing out the name Jesus in like a cocktail party or in line at the supermarket and see what happens. It's like, it's like the temperature kind of drops, everything slows down. It's like, a, you know, like, it's like what happens in the middle of a car accident, sort of a feeling. <laughs> yeah. But then good things in a lot of cases happen afterwards. And it, it strikes me just by hearing the description that when you said, but I'm Catholic in an environment like that, it's something similar. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely uh, alarms people, but then I think it disarms them yeah. a little bit. And then because the, because they're behind a screen, mm. they're way more open to listening. So it's a little different than a grocery store because they can, they don't, you know, no one's judging their reaction to it. They can be curious without anyone knowing that they're being curious in their life. Mm. You know what I mean? You know yeah, what I mean? for sure. So like, yeah, like yeah. a Protestant would yeah. be, would be in there and would ask genuine questions about the church without their spouse, maybe knowing that they're curious about other faiths. Mm. Uh, and it's, 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 it's fascinating. Are there, are there Catholic principles that actually apply to gameplay? Like, is there, is there a way to think about, I don't, I don't know, because I, I feel like it's always helpful for me to think in caricature sure. sort of ends of the spectrum. One of the spectrum that says all gaming is fine. People know this isn't real. Just get over it. Yep. Other side is everybody who plays games, you're corrupting every child. We're all going to hell kind of, you know, dynamic, right? So, yeah. but I imagine that the truth is somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. where there can be some redemptive, redemptive aspects of gameplay or life lesson moments, or I don't know, teaching moments or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you see that? So there's a, there's a, there's definitely a way to be Catholic in the gaming space. Mm -hmm. You can be, you can be Catholic in game. There are definitely games that are like, you just shouldn't play. Um, you know, there's just the, there's no way to redeem <laughs> some of the, some of the Is games like out GTA there. stuff. Yeah. Or, like Grand yeah. Theft, like some of the stuff you can do in, in Grand Theft Auto. Oh, no. uh, there's another Even game here, just stuff you can overhear is yeah. crazy. There's another game that I'm forgetting the name of now, um, that came out. It was, it was horrific. I mean, I don't even know if you'd want to chat about it on this podcast, but you, can, stuff, you can mention whatever you want. Uh, like yeah. the, the stuff that you could, you could like buy virtual, uh, uh like prostitutes. Yeah. Like, and then the, go into like a virtual reality room with them. So what is, what is Yikes. happening? What are we doing? So there's the games like that. You're like, yeah. there's no redemption in those games. Um, but the, and then there's other, there's games that have stories that mm -hmm. I don't really play a lot of the, the story games, right? I'm just playing Fortnite because it's an easy game to play. It's a kid friendly game and you can, you know, you can talk to your chat or you can try to win and you can go between those two things easier than any game out there right now. Yeah. So that's why we do it because we can focus on the community, but there's games with great stories, like similar to reading a book. Um, where there's absolutely Catholic themes mm -hmm. uh, that can be pulled out from that. And then you can, you know, just if you're going to play like games like I'm playing, like just competitive, you know, Fortnite kind of battle royale games where there's last person standing, there's a lot of teamwork stuff you can do. Sure. And then there's ways that you can just, you know, be a positive human being when you're talking to the, your teammates, right? Just having like being Catholic and, you know, so you're not going to rage at them. You know, you're not going to be swearing at them all the time, that kind of thing. Okay. I, think, I would think there would even be like comedic opportunities for like education, right? It's like respawning, not a thing, right? We, yeah. only, we only spawn once, right? And then we kind of go somewhere else. You for can do sure. all kinds of things. There's a guy named Susie Live. Uh, okay. who is, he's not Catholic. Uh, he's Christian. He's a great guy. Um, and he is he is out there doing what you just said. Like he he is making all of those like those Christian analogies with in games and does a great job talking about that stuff on YouTube yeah. and Twitch. Yeah. It was funny. My, my wife and I run a, um, one of our ministries is working with homeless families okay. in LA, up in LA. And we visit a lot of families in kind of tough moments, right? They're, you know, they're sleeping on some relative's couch. They're in their car. They're in all, all kinds of places. And a family we work with recently, 
I walked into this living room where they were at and their youngest son, beautiful little kid, his name is Sonny. And he's three years old and he was behind a controller and it was GTA on a massive screen. And it wasn't even what he was doing because he was driving a car and he was crashing the stuff and whatever. But it was the dialogue. And I was like, what is happening? And he had it turned up really loud. And I was like, well, hang on a second. So I was like, turn the thing way down. I was like, let's, you know, I was talking to the mom. I was like, you may not realize what's happening here, but it blew me away that it wasn't even the gameplay per se, but like the environment that he was like thrust into automatically was just Mm -hmm. so adult and not even adult good. It's just like, you know, the worst of, uh, of what's out there, but just how pervasive it is too. So I understand the concern, Yeah, but I'm always looking for like the silver lining and things. There's, there's a lot of good. Yeah. And we have to highlight that. One of the thing, one of the projects that we're thinking about working on soon that we, we, we know we want to, we just, when, when can we, um, we just launched the business a year ago and yeah. you know, trying to figure out where, little where the priorities media, right? are. Yeah, yeah. Little flower media, uh, is like how, parents need help. Like it's, it's impossible nowadays for a parent, especially if both parents are working to do everything you have to do as if I have, I have three kids, seven, six, and two. So I haven't even like gotten to the needing to parent my kids with media. Like we just don't let them, <laughs> they're do not anything. Doing, they get like 10 minutes of bluey a day. My wife is so good at like, did you already make your mobile device rule? Like, do you have a rule right now for mobile devices? Like, we, is there an age you would allow it? Uh, have you so already had that conversation? We, we have the conversation all the time and both of us change our minds all the time. Right now, as long as possible, I will go without uh, for them. But also at some point, like it is good. It's something that I do for a living. Yeah. And uh, there are so many good things about it, but I just want to make sure that they don't get addicted to it. It can just be so easy uh, where that's the only thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. But how do you be a parent to, and, and, and also have to keep up with every single social media app and then add video games to it. And, and like, uh, uh, you know, things are hearing in, uh, in, you know, in their headphones, it's like, yeah, good luck. it's crazy. And so, yeah, that's one of the things that I, we're thinking about doing is just help parents out. Like, here's how you help your kid be safe online in every, in every possible way. And especially in video games. Would that be through like tools or would that be through like, you know, some kind of program where they would learn how to do. Yeah. May, maybe like, like a, a podcast, like a type of podcast where we'd yeah. continue to review games and like, here's the things to watch out for. A new app might come out. Like mm-hmm. when TikTok first came out, here's how you, you know, make sure that your kid is, you know, being safe. And here's how you find out what they're actually looking at without even having to be like weird. You just ask them to show you their for you page and just scroll 10 times and you'll see the kind of videos that they're normally watching. The TikTok thing is wild too, because for me, it's, I mean, there's all these sort of national questions about privacy and espionage and all this really palace intrigue stuff. But what isn't talked about at all to my mind, or at least not enough, is just the user experience of that app. It is so sticky. It's like a, it's like a wormhole. Yeah. I mean, you're, you go on there for 10 minutes and then you stop and it's been four hours. Yep. I mean, that's like... Because I've been around digital media a lot, and it's mm-hmm. when I look at that, I'm, there's some seriously slick thinking to make this thing. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's wild. I mean, it's built like it's built to do exactly what you just said to keep people on it as long as possible. And I'll be honest, I used to spend a lot more time scrolling on TikTok before I was full time and doing what I'm doing now. And now I feel like I I just want to be off my phone as much as possible. So the only time I pull I pull TikTok up probably 20 times a day. I check my notifications. Yeah. Try to respond to some comments, and I close it. I miss the days of scrolling, you know, but now it's also, for, it's, for an hour. I mean, for, for a person like you, and I, and I do want to talk a little bit about the break between you as creator kind of maker and you as, you know, CEO of this, of this company, because there's got to be some time allocation there. Right. I would imagine, but it's also more understandable in your case because it's your job, right? Like when I'm on TikTok or, or Instagram reels or whatever, I'm, I'm just 
like wasting time. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't make that claim. I could say, and I do to my <laughs> wife, I say, like, you know, I am in the digital media industry. I got to stay up to date with what's going on. Yeah. That's not really true. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of wasting time. Yeah. A little bit different for you. It, it is. It, it, you're right. Except for Twitter. Twitter is oh, yeah. my I, Twitter. Like, it is part of my job too. And I love it. Twitter is my favorite. I don't know why I love it more than any app. Interesting. I, I, and every time I'm scrolling on Twitter and my wife's like, uh, you want to come downstairs and like hang out with me and the kids? I'm like, I'm working. <laughs> and she's like, and finally she's like, you're not, you're, you're not like working. You're just reading. Yeah, yeah. You're just reading all your, your tweet, like your friends tweets and you're looking at Detroit Lions stuff. Uh, it's funny. What is it about Twitter? Is I it just like, I mean, part of it is the commute. Part of it is that I have legitimately met some of my best friends in uh -huh. life from Twitter. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, and not, and then, and then not just some of my best friends, but just a lot of my, uh, good friends, you know, like, uh, and I'm talking like over a hundred people that I've met in person multiple times that all started on Twitter. Well, since you're a connoisseur, then I will ask, are you kind of, are you a pro neutral or anti Elon and Twitter? Oh, I don't think I know enough about what it would mean if he, if he bought it. But for now, I think I'm pro, mm -hmm. I think I'm pro Elon on Twitter. A lot of people are like, oh, he's, he's going to like censor things. I'm like, what do you think happens now? <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't so. think people are being censored now? I mean, if anything, he's kind of said that that's one of the things he's buying it for is to take some of those things off. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, there's legitimate questions, but at least he says that. Yeah. Uh, and he's also hilarious on Twitter. He is. Like this last yeah. year, especially, he has just stepped up his game. It's been pretty funny. I think that's part of the, the, the magic of Twitter is that it forces you to be extraordinarily clever on how you communicate, right? Because it's sort of, it's a, as a forcing function of trying to, trying to get you to collapse something maybe very nuanced into this yeah. very, which is also its downside, right? It's yep. like everything is sort of like a, it's like a cudgel, you know what I mean? For yeah. like when it's used the wrong way, but that, maybe that's part of it. I'm not super active there, so I don't know, but I You're definitely not. read tweets. There's people who hate Twitter. I mean, they hate it. They're like, it's just the, it's the worst of humanity. And I'm like, it can be, but I just, I've curated my, maybe I've just curated over the last 15 years uh, this, the, my, the perfect timeline, you know, I just see, I rarely see, you know, people arguing. It's, I, I just love really it. interesting. Yeah. Well, I, you know, that's, I, I think that's just a credit of the algorithm though. Maybe on some point it's like enough of your interactions in a particular way, kind of maybe lead you to a, a nicer space within Twitter. I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. assuming if you're just anger machine all day, then you're going <laughs> to, that's all you're going to get. That? I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing. It could. Well, you, you, you mentioned to me when we had our little pre-call that, you've had a couple of moments of inflection in your life. And I'm curious, maybe how those relate to what you're doing now, right? So one of the ones you mentioned to me was a uh, NCYC uh, event that you went to. And yeah. like, I, I remember putting in my notes, I was like, God moment. This was like a God moment for you. Mm -hmm. But as you think about those kind of moments of inflection, could you talk a little bit about some of them and maybe how those kind of maybe were doorways into where you are now? Yeah. I always joke, I always joke that, uh, if I, if I make it to heaven, uh, God is just going to like, the first thing he's going to do after hugging me and hopefully saying, well done, my good and faithful servant is like roll his eyes and be like, it took everything I had to get you here. Mm. Like, like it's, I was just like, and I wasn't like a, a horrible person ever, uh, you know, doing like, you know, unspeakable things, but, I, but I just was always running, you know, just like looking for the, the next best thing. And so, uh, every, every moment that I've had where God has like entered my life and just kind of been like, hello, uh, has been, has been massive for me. And it's, I don't know what I would do without, without him, without my guardian angel, without mm -hmm. probably my mom, mm -hmm. my grandparents praying for me my whole life. NCYC was huge. I was, I was super sick. Uh, did I tell you this? No. Did I tell you this part of the no, story? No, you didn't tell me. You just said I was so sick. My mom was out of town and I, I have a great, my, I love my dad. He's a great dad. 
Uh, but he, he, my mom did most of the take care of mm. stuff, made lunches, yeah, you know, made sure our laundry was good. Um, she's out of town for a week. I get super sick. I've no more, like all my clean clothes are packed for this NCYC trip. I'm in eighth grade. It's a high school trip. And I don't, so I don't want to go. Did you know what it was before you went? No like, clue. My mom signed me up, made me go. Got it. Okay. I did not want to go. It's like Again, I was as an eighth grade. There's one other eighth grader with me and the rest of the kids were high school kids. And our, the youth minister was like, you guys can come. It'll be fine. And I was like, I don't want to go. So all my clothes are packed and I, I felt like I was going to throw up. It was the most, one of the most like sick times I ever remember being as a kid. Mm. I was like, dad, I can't go. And he thought I was just faking it. So <laughs> we're in the car about to be late because my dad was in charge of trying to get us uh, get me of to, course. The, to the bus. And all my stuff's already in the car and I felt like I had to throw up. So I start to, I was like, dad, I just got to go inside and go to the bathroom. But I didn't want to tell my dad. I run upstairs to the bathroom. This is going to get gross. Love it. And I crap my pants. <laughs> really? <laughs> this is a good story. So I, now you got evidence. I didn't make it to the bathroom and, and I'm like, what do I do now? All my pants are packed. So I either tell my dad <laughs> that I, that I poop my pants or I like try to clean it up in the bathroom quick and just like, but doesn't that so help I, you if you don't want to go? Are you ready for this, bro? Yeah, tell I, me. So I get in the car. He's like, what's that smell? I was like, I don't know. We, we, <laughs> Wait a minute. You went, you just, you just. I cleaned off as best. I, no, we're talking just a little smudge. Okay. A little, a, a, enough, enough to smell, but like, it wasn't like, you know, crazy. But you just went gorilla right into the car. I went, I yeah. cleaned it up, went into the car. We get there and I'm like, I'm just going to get my bag. I'm going to go to the church bathroom. Just change. I'll throw this pair of jeans away. No problem. We get there. We're late. So the bus driver takes my bag, puts it under the bus. <laughs> I was like, I got to use it real quick. And he's like, nope, we're, you're late. We're waiting on you. And I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah. now I'm on the bus. To, thank God it was only to Indianapolis to like two hour drive. Uh, and the whole time it was like, what does that smell? And I just kept blaming it on some other kid. It was horrible. Uh, so I had like the worst wow. start ever to NCYC. And then uh, these kids were being jerks to me as well. Like these seniors in high school that they, mm. they forced me to room with. So I told the youth minister, I was like, I'm miserable. These kids are being mean. I'm sick. And she's like, you know what? You can just go and do whatever you want at this conference. Don't even check in with the group. Just go. I'm in eighth grade walking around downtown Indianapolis, getting like Starbucks for the first time in my life. By yourself. You know, by myself. Yeah. And, and I met, and then the other eighth grader ended up joining me. And we started looking at the conference stuff. Like we, we goofed off for like, you know, a couple hours, like one day. And then it's like, okay, that got boring. Let's go see what the conference is about. We read it. And I'm like, the Catholic church and sex? What? What do they, what do they have to say? Like all, I've gone to mass every week my whole life, but like, I didn't have good formation. Right. So they're so against sex. They have opinions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have opinions on things. I was like, I'm going to go to this talk. I don't know who it was. It had to be Jason Everett. Mm. I have not, I don't know, but I got just imagine it had to be, but the, it was so packed. I'll never forget this. I, I like that. There wasn't a seat. So I sat under the bleachers um, and listened to someone talk passionately. Wow. And I was like, this is kind of cool. Mm. And then Matt Marr was there and like no one knew who he sure. was at the time, but I did. Cause I had listened to like one of his songs. And so I was hanging out with him a little bit and he was so kind. Uh, and then I had this moment, it's my first ever like kind of Holy spirit moment where I was at, in adoration, my first time in adoration. And I thought to myself, if Matt Marr plays set me as a seal during adoration, that'll be God's sign. Like that he wants, you know, that he's real. And he played it like second song in. First time I ever had like an emotional moment. Yeah. First time that I ever had a Holy Spirit moment. Um, and then I don't know at that moment, if it wasn't for that trip and I don't even, you know, there, I have so many thoughts of NCYC, but that, that it was great for me as an eighth grader at that time. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the, I don't know where I'd be without it. Well, it sounds like it was a major moment in that journey. That's yeah. for sure. And the whole, I mean, the, the, the story is hysterical, but it's like, you know, humi <laughs> humility through humiliation. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, God, uh, it is a way to, a good way to describe it that, you know, God tries to get our attention 
in so many different ways. And oftentimes through things that are like real trials, real challenges, right? Real things we would not plan or expect, but he can use anything. And a lot of times that's the best medium to like get to us. You know, I had a, I was talking to a woman in just in ministry not too long ago. And she was like, ah, I lost my job and my car broke down and my kids are doing this. And this one doesn't, doesn't listen to me and blah, blah. It was just yeah. like this like litany of things. And even though it's not my style to say this, something just told me to say this. And I did. And I was like, well, man, God's really trying to get your attention, isn't he? And she was like, floored by that comment. Yeah. Po- thankfully, positively floored <laughs> by it, right? She's like, wow, I never thought about that that way. That's just the truth of sometimes how he works. Yeah. Agree. I don't think he wants to work that way in my life anymore. Okay. But he keeps doing it. I, I keep making him do it. You know, <laughs> you keep, <laughs> you know? keep making him yeah. I need to just be a little more consistent and not have those ones. But there's been that moment and a few mm-hmm. others that have just been, yeah, just really key and putting me where I am today. At what moment did you think in that in this journey? And I I know it's hard to just like pick moments, but you know, maybe a period of time where your path became something about sharing with others kind of one to many. Like, did you ever have that thought? Because you could come to this moment that you had with the song and like, wow, God's real and the church has things to say. And you could, you know, raise a family and have a great job and do the whole domestic church thing and just be cool with that. But there's like, there must've been a moment where you're like, oh, this one to many thing is like part of this call. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I don't know if I told you this in our pre-call, but the kind of one of the other biggest moments in my life was a guy by the name of Father Dan Schuster, who I met him. He was a deacon when I met him. He's in the Diocese of Green Bay, Yeah, Wisconsin. you did tell me about that. I was, I, mean, I was heartened to know that the deacon was part of this somewhere. See? It was very yeah. nice. I like that. And he, you know, I won't go into the whole story with him, but uh, he he just saw something in me. I don't, I don't know what it was, but he, he was like, we met every day and had coffee and he kind of opened my eyes, gave me Catholicism for dummies, which is a book that changed, yeah. no joke, changed my life. Mm. People always wrote, they're like, of course you love that book. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's just <laughs> an on brand. Uh, and he, he was like, you should study theology. You seem to, you read that book. You liked it. You like research. You can, I didn't even know what theology meant. Mm. I didn't even know a lay, I didn't know what lay, the word layperson meant. Mm. I didn't know that, you know, there were people working in the church for money, not a lot of money, but money. So when he said you should apply to this college and like study theology, I didn't even, I didn't pray. I didn't think about it. I applied, I got in, I moved a week later. Wow. So I, I, there's, there's like that happened. And then while I did that, I met my absolute best friend in the world, Joel Stepanek, who's the vice president at Life Teen. Mm. Um, And Joel's just a great guy, great speaker as well. Great lead, really a good leader. Um, And he's going to, he's going to do crazy. Joel Stepanek is going to do crazy things in the church with leadership. He's coming on the show next. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm like, people are not ready. In 15 years, people are gonna be like, why didn't we let Joel leadership train every single Catholic, uh, I you love know, it. company. Anyway. So he was a youth minister at this parish in Wisconsin where I went to go to study theology and we just became best friends. And he's like, Hey, you want to be on core team? I had no idea what that was. Um, and I didn't, he's like, I think you'd be a good youth minister. Mm. And father Schuster said the same thing. And so I, I didn't pray about it. I just was like, okay, I'll apply. <laughs> and is, I did. Is that, is that in keeping with the kind of person you are, this whole idea of like, you're, you're, you just kind of see it and go. Yeah. Cause that's how I am too. It's like, I can't, I'm not, it doesn't mean I'm a bad planner, but I, sometimes God is just like doorway and I'm like, just walk yeah. through it. And hundred yeah. percent. And I'm always open to, to the doorways and like, but, and sometimes he just makes it super obvious. And that's what at every big turn, that's what he's done. He's just made it a very obvious thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to, you know, you're going to be a middle school youth minister. Joel moved away to go work for life. And you're going to take his job. 
Um, you know, the, the priest who was there and in Manitowoc left, you're going to go back to your home parish and, and work at the parish that you wish formed you better. Mm. Um, you know, and then when that was like, I did everything I possibly could well there. And then literally the, the religious order that was there got moved out. I got a call from another place and God's like, you're going to go there and you're going to live through hell for two years working with some of the craziest people you'll ever, uh, work with in your life in the parish. So it's great, great families, but there were some, well, still, we can do a whole other podcast on that if you want. Sure. Just talk about like people who have everything and, and, uh, feel like it's just a whole, I won't even go into it, but, uh, the staff was great. And, uh, the, the people I got to work with were great and you're going to endure hell here for two years. And then it's going to be a really good place and you're going to leave and start your own business. Like every one of those things that were hard or maybe harder decisions, like for my wife, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I in bet. conversation. But for me, I was like, Oh, okay, this is what I'm doing now. Mm. But there was, a, th th there's also like some happy accidents along the way too, in this kind of walking through doors, like the first time that, um, you know, you went live on Twitch as an example, the, the story you already shared, that was a little bit on a whim, right? I mean, it was, yeah, yeah it was, it was a, it was a huge turnaround. I was at, I had a, my wife and I do these things called hospitality nights. We need to get back to that. Uh, since we moved and had more kids, it's been harder, but basically a couple of years ago, we just decided we would invite anyone and everyone over. Try to, we felt like God was saying, love your actual neighbor. Mm. So like, we're going to open up our door and just serve food and drink every Thursday to whoever shows up. And we thought like some weeks, no one would show up in some weeks, five people might show up. And the first week, like 40 people showed up. Nice. I had to go to the store and get more food. I wasn't ready. It was nuts. Right. And I was like, how can I even afford this? And then it ended up being about 40 to 60 people every week at our house for dinner every Thursday. Uh, and this one time, this marketing guy was there, good friend, who's now a good friend of mine. And I got the text from my brother that you should start streaming. I was with him at the time. Mm. And I was like, dude, I, he want, my brother says I should start streaming. Like, I don't, it doesn't look like it's clout chasing because he's telling me I should do it. Uh, what should I be called? And my buddy's like, you have a beard? Your last name is Blevins, Bearded Blevins. He's like, I'll make you a logo. Genius. He made me a logo. I went live two days later. Wow. Crazy. I love that. Very, yeah. very, very much about synchronicity. And now, and now you've got, um, Little Flower yeah. that you're working on. And by the way, is there a, a Lazoo connection specifically there for is. you? Okay. And that's, I know I just had too many stories. Stop me from no, talking no, no, too please. much, but this, this is, is just another great uh, one. Yeah, so, go for it. Um, as Mar long as it doesn't include, you know, accidents and pants. No, nope, no, nope, nope. yeah, no, edit that out, can't, edit that out. Just kidding. Worse. So I have two business partners. One of them's here. Yep. Uh, I, I call him Matt. I call him uh, McClure. It's just his last name. Two Matts, uh, Matthew Marcolini and then and Matt McClure. And Marco is just, I mean, he's, you have to meet this guy. He's just, a, he's wild. I've never met anyone like him. He's like if a fly was a person, but I mean that <laughs> okay. in like the best way. Uh, buzzing and, around. Yeah. Just like he just is, yeah. and, and, but it's a, but a fly that everyone wants to be around. It's, okay. a, it's amazing. Sure. So he, uh, he calls me out of nowhere and goes, I think we should call, we should call the company little flower media. No one has to know, but we should like it, just on the paper, it'll say little flower media it can still be bearded blevins, but it'll be little flower media. And I was like, no, like I, I was driving to give a talk at a parish and I was, I was like, I'm not doing that. That's weird. He's like, well, don't you have a devotion to St. Therese of Lisieux? And I was like, yes, I do. And he's like, well, I think we should name the company after St. Therese. And I was like, well, let me call McClure and see if he loves St. Therese of Lisieux. Hopefully he doesn't. And then we don't have to name it that. Uh, and McClure shared just one of the most heart wrenching, but beautiful stories um, about his family that I, I won't share. I'll let him share that story. And he's like, we have a deep connection to St. Therese of Lisieux as well. Mm. And I was, I called Marco back immediately. I was like, little flower media. Yeah, it little is. flower it is. It was like that. It was like 30 seconds. Well, she was probably praying for it. Uh, she, she's a legend. She is. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. Just, she's huge. I just got a um, couple of, I went on a Carmelite retreat two weeks ago. I think it was. Do you do retreats at all? Do you go out and like just spend I, three days quiet I somewhere? need to. Yeah. I need to. Especially for guys like you. Like yeah. if, if people who are always talking, thinking, buzzing, like 
it's nice to just take a few days. Um, and I was due for a retreat. I mean, like big, t- like when your wife pushes you out of the house to like go have the retreat, yeah. it's time. Yeah. But, um, I read, you know, scan cause I have the, in the, the Carmelites up in LA in Alhambra, big shout out to the sisters up there. Carmelites of the sacred heart, amazing little convent up there. And it's just, you want to talk about an oasis. This is an oasis. Literally. Sure. It's like in the middle of this kind of buzzing metropolis and you walk in and it's like a time machine. Cool. But, um, I scanned a bunch of St. Therese stuff. I've read her story before, but like I looked at this picture book of like all the pictures ever taken of her yeah. little kid, like, you know, novice and on her deathbed. And there's just something about her that's really, really special. And of course the things that she did in her whole way, right. It just, yeah. it, it, it worked its way into one of my homilies recently about just God, like the way to God's heart is oftentimes through little things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like that she like embodies that. She's super, super special. And little flower, you got some, I mean, goals and I've seen some of your material, right? Um, But you, when you think about little flower, one of the things that, you know, kind of flashes on the screen there as you tell that story is the idea of rescuing the lost. Yeah. is something that you've like, Walk through that with me. Like you're making this media company. Why? Why does it need to be? Where does it go? So, uh, I mean, it's so funny you ask that because we uh, we're we're so along for the ride of whatever God wants it to be. Like, I think in 10 years, it will look very different than what I think it might look like in 10 years. But I have you also have to have a vision, right? Or you're Mm -hmm. not, you know, what are you doing? Um, One of the here's the thing. I think there's a lot of places, a lot of ministries out there apostolates, if you will, right. Who are doing good, a good job at, at catechizing and sharing the church's teaching with, with Catholics. Think of Catholic answers. It's a great job, right? They're, yeah, they're reaching a lot of people. There's a ton of people in my community who are like, Oh, I'm Catholic. I I'll start, they're starting to go back to mass now, but they want to learn more and they're reading stuff on Catholic answers or they're watching father Mike Schmitz or wh- whatever it is. Um, but how are we going to get more people to listen mm. to them? Uh, what about the, who, who's going to talk to the people who literally have not been told the story of Jesus before? Uh, and I don't know what, why I feel like I'm called to do that. Uh, maybe it is just because I, I started doing it on Twitch and saw what can happen when somebody comes I mean, some This has happened uh, over a hundred times. No exaggeration. I was going to maybe say a thousand over a hundred times for sure. Who knows how many, where somebody comes into the chat in the last four and a half years, says something horrible, like <laughs> super trolly. Uh, you know, they're trying to get banned. They're hurt. They're lashing out. And, bef- and I'll say like, Hey, don't mods, don't ban them yet. Don't ban them. I'm going to give you one more chance. You know, whatever the guy's name is, the read his screen name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't do that here. I'm so you must be hurting. I'm sorry that you're going through whatever it is that you're going through, but we're a really positive community here. So we're going to give you one more chance to like, not say what you just said again. Um, and now I don't want to ban you though, because this is a place that's supposed to be for everybody. And I'm not kidding when I tell you that every time that that's happened, I'd say 90% of the time they apologize immediately. They're like, I'm so sorry. I'm having the worst day. Yeah. I lost my kid. Sure. You know, like, like, yeah. you know, I lost my, my wife left, like whatever it is. Uh, or it's a kid who's just like, I have a horrible home life. Uh, and you're just like, oh my gosh. Uh, well, thanks for being here. And then they stick around Yeah. and they start asking questions and they're like, well, I haven't been to church. Why should I go? You know? And it's at those moments. I'm like, who's going to, who's going to talk to those people? Got it. That's you know? super cool. Yeah, because I, I mean, and it is true behind a lot of the, um, the most strident objections or the most difficult attitude, oftentimes there's a wound. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality. And so that emphasis on, you know, maybe a forum for those discussions or that kind of healing, 
is actually really interesting because I was going to ask you, you know, if, if, um, if word on fire is taking this kind of beauty track, right. And maybe Catholic answers takes this track of like really incredibly deep and thoughtful apologetics as, yeah. as kind of their track, like kind of what, what track were you thinking? If you, yeah. if you, if you didn't, you know, Pro- probably like reaching, like reaching out to people pre-evangelization, like, like to, nice. to, we say the word, we say that all the time, like in our own business meetings, like for we're, what we're doing is pre-evangelization. We're getting people who would never even like think that they would don the doors of a church to be ready to, to believe in God, hopefully. And then to be ready to learn I more about them. It reminds me a little bit of the chosen. I, last Friday I had an opportunity. We sadly weren't able to record it, but I sat with Jonathan Rumi for an hour and we, we had a conversation like this one. Yeah. And you know, the chosen, which, you know, you know, that's, I'm sure that's the whole story of how it got started and everything. And it's kind of like bubbled out and now it's sort of busted through the veil a little bit where a lot of the people that would fall into the pre, the pre category are coming into contact with that franchise for the first time and being introduced to the story uh, that they would have not otherwise expected. They probably aren't going to be in the youth groups or even going to church or doing whatever, but yet they're coming in contact with this. And it's such an interesting segment because I don't think I'd ever thought about it that way. Like, you know, you have people who are somewhere in that funnel, um, but, you, but you don't think about people who haven't even gotten into the funnel to begin with, right? Yeah. It's like that layer on top of that, that you can kind of push into it. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. And I think, I think that we can do that little farm media through being like, like authentically Catholic, but normal. And I don't like normal meaning like we're, what we're doing is we're just living We're I, when I'm streaming, sometimes like, sometimes I'm just playing Fortnite and hanging out with the chat. Like I, I, I would not have mentioned God at all, except for when we say, I love you. God loves you more. Let's change the world. Uh, other times we're ha- stopping the stream for 30 minutes to have a deep conversation about a really tough subject. Um, but in other times we're just watching football and I'm having a bourbon mm. uh, and talking about my favorite cigar. And so like, j- like, I think there's something there of being like, you can be, you can do the things you love yeah. still if you're trying to, and you're living out your authentic Catholic faith that people find, um, out for, for whatever reason, they find it intriguing attractive, and, and it's yeah. attractive. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, I want to do this. And I think we need way more. You ask like, where are we going? Like, I'm hoping that there's 10 other people who are, you know, streaming and doing, you know, stuff online and living their life. And, you know, and people are like, oh my gosh, those guys are all, they're all Catholic. Yeah. They're all, they go to mass every Sunday. And sometimes during the week, they go to confession once a month and we they do talk need, about it. We do need a lot more of it because that's a crazy thing. And this is shades of the conversation I had with, uh, with Jonathan, because we were talking a lot about just media in general. And it's like a great irony to me that we have the greatest story ever, but, and we used to tell that story in painting and in music and in yeah. architecture, like world-class, like we're the best. And then something happened with the advent of mass media where like, we just forgot our chops. Like we don't, like when you look out at the way um, Christian stories are told out in the world, you said the word normal, but I totally get what you mean. It's like, it's this sort of other category. And in a lot of cases, this other category is actually not attractive. Yeah. Like how do we regain some of how we used to storytell and do it in this very approachable, authentic, engaging way? Like there's not a lot of people doing that. Yeah. What's going to be, what's going to be the Catholic version of Bluey? Right. You know, you know what I mean? Like that show, it's family friendly. It's, it's pretty out of like politics, at least for the first few seasons that I've only seen a few episodes. My kids can watch like one a day. 
Um, and everyone's like, if you love your kids, this is a show you'll let them watch. Mm. What's going to, what's going to be like the show like that, that has a little Catholic undertone. That's not, you know, it won't be like veggie tales, right? Cause that's too on the nose. Um, what's going to be like the normal show, just like, like the chosen uh, for kids that, that like the whole world is watching, even if they're not Christian. Sure, That's kind of like that precursor to something deeper, to a deeper yeah. conversation. Yeah. You also mentioned in the, in the, in the content that I saw about little flower, the idea, a more practical goal of kind of bringing people back to the church now back, maybe in multiple contexts, because now there's also back from COVID, right? The church yeah. has been hammered yep. because of COVID. I think the stats nationwide are something like a 35% drop off where people just didn't come back. Yeah. So, you know, like, how does this stuff ultimately communicate with the pews, I guess, in your mind? Well, what we're doing at Little Flower Media. I mean, so at least it, I can speak to at least the live stream portion of it. I'm, and I've just, it's funny you asked this because I just started noticing this in the last couple of weeks of people coming into the, who are part of the community who I've never said to them, like, hey, do you go to mass? Like, are you Catholic? Do you go to mass? And they've just willingly shared you know, I am Catholic, but I haven't been a mass in years because of the abuse scandals. Um, and I'll, and I'll be live on, I'm literally playing Fortnite and I'll stop it. I'll like look over and I'll just be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Listen, I get that. There's no, there's no one that I've met. That's more mad about the, like the amount of priests that I've had to work with that I've reported. It's, it's, it's horrible. Mm. I am so mad, but I still go to mass every Sunday because it's still God's church. And when I said that, and I said it in a loving way, more loving than maybe I just did now, and the amount of people that are just like, no one's ever said that. And no one's ever invited me back. Mm. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, how do you, how are you, how are you going to expect people to come to your pews if you don't notice that they're gone and you don't like, and what I mean, we know they're gone by the numbers, but we don't, do we know their name? Uh, and are we going to be like, Hey, I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I think it takes work too. And it's so pastor dependent in a lot of places. I just got moved to a new parish in LA Permanent deacons get five-year terms in LA and then you, 99% of the time you just get reassigned in the same place. But there's like a 1%, 2% group of guys that the bishop moves around and I'm, I'm for whatever reason, I'm one of those. So um, I just got moved to a new parish and we, the, the pastor's new, he's a COVID pastor. He got brought in during COVID and um, he, his whole thought, we did a survey to find out where people that come to the parish live. And what we found out was half of them don't live anywhere in, near this area. Yeah. And so on one side, it's like, okay, you could say, well, that's good. People are making the drive to come hear me preach or whatever. But the sad part is that the parish itself, which is not a building, that's, it's a canonical region, right? It's a region yeah. that corresponds yeah. to the right. church building. Those people aren't coming. And so his thought was, well, we should probably go out there and like knock on doors and invite them. And, and he even said it kind of sheepishly, like, this can't be this simple. Like, we're just, <laughs> and I was like, no, no, that, that is it. I, I've never heard it before because that's not the way we often think, yeah. but it is about that. It's like, invite them back. Like, yep. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Come back. It works for anything else. Works yeah. for a restaurant. It works for, you know, a barbershop or whatever it may be. But we oftentimes don't think about these, um, you know, these kind of very secular ideas and kind of baptize them or Christianize them. Yeah. I mean, imagine you go door to door and you, uh, you say like, we give, we give regular hot coffee away for free every single Sunday. But uh, for, for $2, it all goes to charity. We have, you know, a latte. Here's a free coupon for, for a latte. You know what I mean? And totally. just like, you know, just like, yeah, I think that's huge. Yeah, we, we our, this parish is in Venice, California, right? Which is this super kind of half hipster, half very poor kind of crime overlay. It's a very LA kind of town. And I was even thinking like, let's put a billboard around the main drag and say like, you know, Jesus playing live like every yeah. Sunday at seven, you know, with a big arrow kind of thing. 
But like thinking about these different ways to do it, but your point is so well taken and so simple about just the importance of inviting, you know, people to come back. Yeah. And we need to do that because we're in and, and another thing too is, right is hearing hearing from priests and and, and deacons like yourself or or just Catholics in general in any way share their like I think there's there's something about validating the hurt that other people have yeah. experienced that really matters. Yeah. You know, like I haven't gone back to mass in 10 years because of the abuse scandals. And you're like, you know, that really had a huge impact on me too. And it made me, you know, madder than ever. And I get it. And it's not okay that it happened. It's not okay ever. God still loves you. Like, I think it's so important for people to hear that. And I think so many people don't, and it's not necessarily because people aren't saying it because you're saying it in the homily. Well, they're not going to hear it because they're, they're not, not there. Hear. They're not there. So how do you how do we find a way to share that with people that like, hey, this is it was none of this a lot of the, all the bad stuff. Yeah, not good, not okay. It's still God's church, you know. Yeah, and I think that you know my sense of all of this is like the Holy Spirit kind of emphasizes certain things throughout history. They've always been true, but there's just like that little added push, little added emphasis that He does at certain moments. And like what I'm feeling a lot in kind of the world we live in, the U.S. in this moment, post COVID, all the craziness going on you know, political division and just all this crazy stuff is this sort of spirit of accompaniment, like spirit of what, you know, it's like validate what I've felt, walk with me, not just show me where it is. Right. Don't be the oasis, be the guide to the oasis kind of thing. Again, that's always been true, but it just seems like there's a little bit more emphasis there. And so, you know, to kind of carry forward the example of my parish, our first thought was, well, let's put these kind of healing night events on like Wednesday, you know, one Wednesday a month, where we get together and we talk about the, the things that we've had to go through. Yeah. Acknowledge that pain, like what you said, right? And then follow it up with a healing mass, by the way, anointing of the sick, like bring the whole supernatural element into it. But it is like, to me, an extension of what I think you're saying, which is, you know, even if it's obvious to you, it might not be to somebody who's going through that. Yeah. And us as Christians kind of need to bring that to bear. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's awesome, man. Well, listen, before we get um, to our next section, I know people know you and they know how to follow you and all that stuff, but just to like talk about a couple of things you're excited that are coming up or, you know, people were going to get in touch or kind of keep an eye on what you're up to. What's the best way to do that? What's the best way to keep in touch with everything that you got going on? Uh, probably this is crazy in the year of our Lord 2022, but probably the website, beardedblevins.com. Uh, it's the, it's got everything. It's just a landing page for everything that we have going on. So you'll find our live streams there. Uh, you'll find our YouTube stuff there, all our social media links, uh, our newsletter, which I'm super proud of our, uh, magic, magic McClure of so many no, names, got three names. These guys, yeah. Mick magic, magic McClure, Matt, Matthew, uh, boomer. <laughs> uh, he does a great job with the newsletter and I'm trying to do a video every month as well. Just letting people know what's going on and what's been happening. So Beautiful. Yeah, beardedblevins.com. Awesome. We'll put all this stuff in the show notes. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, just from one guy to another, I'm really happy that you're out there, that you're doing what you're doing, that you're talking about this sort of pre-evangelism moment. It's really important. It's really interesting. And that you're following the Holy Spirit's prompt and kind of lead you walking through those doorways because um, we need it. So a real privilege to have you on and to share this conversation. Thank you very much. You're, you're great at this. This is fun. Let's do it again sometime. Let's, let's please do. And I got to get your buddy. Who's going to be the talk of the town in 15 yeah. years. Joe, I mean, it should be next. sooner than, it should He's be sooner next. than 15 years. Right, yeah. It'll be five years. All right. You ready to play away? What? I'm, I think I'm ready. All right, here we go. I don't get nervous, but bro, you got me a little nervous on this. All right. Question number one. All right. Jonathan on November 18th, 2017. Wait. Yes. A rare thing occurred at Ford field the home stadium of your beloved Detroit Lions. Mm -hmm. On that day, 
in front of 60,000 spectators, a ceremony was held that was the third time a blank had ever occurred in the United States and the first time it had occurred for an American-born man. Blank. Uh, uh, I know it. Canonization. Oh, I'm going to give it to you. Beatification. 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 Absolutely. That's right. Blessed Solanus Casey. Casey. Let's go. I can't believe I got that right. You got that right. Uh, definitely. He was uh, He was beatified by Cardinal Angelo Amato, the prefect of the Vatican's Congregation of the Causes of the Saints, who presided at a massive mass and led the whole rite of beatification. It was a capacity, near capacity crowd. You've been there. I have not. But I mean, it's what a what a background for that beatification. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really cool that it happened there. And no, I don't have a lot of regrets in life, but one of my biggest regrets in life is not going. I had the opportunity to go. All I would have had to do was move one thing around at work. And I just felt like I couldn't for some reason. Mm. It wasn't this work. It was at the parish. And I am I'm so mad that I didn't go. Are do you, are you do you have any affinity to Blessed Solanus? Only now. I, yeah. Just that. Just, like, I literally didn't even know who he was until after. Uh, you know, and I want to, I want to, there's a book that I need to read and I'm forgetting the name of it that talks about him that someone recommended to me, but I'm about to be his biggest fan. Nice. Motor City Saint. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Cool. All right. One for one. Here we go. Question okay. number I got two. That right. You give me that. I'm giving it to you. Let's Absolutely. Go. Question number two, Jonathan, I believe if I have this right, your kids are big fans of the VeggieTales. Do I have that right? They're fans of the VeggieTales songs. Okay. All right. They've well, never seen an episode. I think you're still equipped for this question. Okay. I, I, I know every song by heart. All right. So I so your kids are big fans of the VeggieTales songs. Yeah. Okay. Of course, VeggieTales, for those who don't know, which is probably nobody, is a wildly successful series distinguished as the most successful Christian children's franchise of all time. It has over 16 million books sold, 7 million what? music albums, and 235 million music streams. So, Jonathan, which of these is false about the VeggieTales franchise. Okay. Which is false. Is it A, due to limitations in the software imaging of the early 90s, the creator of VeggieTales opted to avoid the technical production hurdle of designing characters with arms, legs, hair, and clothes? Is it B, the first animation model for VeggieTales character was an anthropomorphic bag of popcorn? Or is it C, in 2006, after NBC aired the first few episodes of VeggieTales, the company chose to edit the episodes to remove religious messages, including all references to God. Which of those is false? Oh my goodness. This is, for me, it's a toss-up between B and C. Okay. I'm gonna, what, what year did you say? 2006? Six. That wasn't happening already, was it? C. It's B. It's B. Ah, yeah, you're right. Did the, they really do that? The, the that's the that's the false one. In 2006, NBC did indeed yeah. uh, remove all of the uh, religious messaging, including references to God. The creator of the series said that he found out after the fact, and if he had known, he would have never signed a deal with them. But nevertheless, they did. Wow. And it is also true that the whole no hands, no legs was just a quirk of the fact that they didn't have the software to do it, to mess with it. So they're just like, let's not include arms and legs. That's awesome. But uh, it is false. The first VeggieTales character was not a bag of popcorn, but it was a candy bar. And apparently the wife of the creator said, yeah, candy bars and kids, not a good idea. Was it called VeggieTales before they... It was VeggieTales. And they were going to have a candy bar. They were going to have a candy bar be the first character. And they're like, the wife the wife of the creator was like, not a good idea. Parents are not going to like this. Yeah. And they made them vegetables after that. So That's amazing. Go. All right. 500. Wow. It's a good baseball. Yeah. Baseball average. Okay. So here we go. Question number three. You're guaranteed to get this one right. Okay. Because it's a time machine question and you get to just tell us what you do. So Jonathan, you get to travel back in time okay. to San Francisco, January of 2011. Six months before 
Justin Kahn and Emmett Shear, the founders of what you've already mentioned, was Justin.tv. Yeah. Before they decide to spin off their gaming content to create something that they will call Twitch TV. So you're seeing them six months before they decide to roll out this thing called Twitch TV at the time. You get a chance to meet with Justin and Emmett and they really dig your style. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. So they dig your style. In fact, you make such an impression on them, Jonathan, that they ask if you might want to become an advisor to the fledgling company. Knowing what you know now about the power of the Twitch platform and the potential that exists for values-aligned programming on it, what, Jonathan, do you advise them? Oh, man, that is a great question. Um, uh, oh, wow. What do I advise them to do? I would say to them... How do I? So I can't ask them questions. I'm advising them. I can't ask them questions. So I can't. Okay, I'm not asking them questions. You're a board advisor. I'm a board. I would say this is going to blow up more than you ever realize, and there's going to be a lot of garbage streamed on this site that I bet you don't want seen. Mm. Uh, you so you need to make some rule, like make some some guidelines around it of what you want, the kind of content you want to see. There's still room for. T- Tons of creativity, tons of it, but re- like put some put some roadblocks in place to make sure that people uh, can't just stream horrible horrible content, content that even like a non Christian you know would probably agree that shouldn't be on there. Uh, and I and then, and I would say I would say I would tell them to do that if th- if this is what you want it to if you want it to look like a company that you know that is doing good things or sharing good things, just do that. And then the other thing I would say is you need to find every possible way to take care of your content creators because without them, your platform is nothing. Mm. So I know you need to make profit, but if your content creators are happy and they're making profit, you'll make even more. Believe that and do that. Get a jump on moderation and show some love to the creators. Yeah. Love that. That'd be very good advice. Way to summarize that way better than what I just said. And it would (laughs) would work even today. Still good advice for the folks at Amazon now, I guess. Jonathan, great to have you on the show, brother. Super, super great conversation. Please keep doing what you're doing. We'll be praying for you. Really appreciate you coming by. Thanks for having me. I'll be praying for you too. And of course, if you're listening to our voice, please remember to subscribe to this show. Share this episode with somebody, maybe somebody who's on these platforms and uh, wants to hear a really great perspective from somebody who's seen and done so many things on them. And we'll see you again next time on Living the Call.